0: you guys lucked out they have me reading in the bulletin a whole lot more and they decided that was way too much so they had her read the first half so you guys only have to deal with a couple verses from me so i am reading john 20 chapter uh, verses 11 through 18. jesus appears to mary magdalene now mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where jesus body had been one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he has said these things to her. The word of the Lord.
1: Day for no particular reason, I decided to go for a little run. So I ran to the end of the road, and when I got there, I thought maybe I'd run to the end of town. President Carter, suffering from heat exhaustion, fell into the And when I got there, I thought maybe I'd just run across Greenbow County. And I figured since I run this far, maybe I'd just run across the great state of Alabama. And that's what I did. I ran clear across Alabama. For no particular reason, I just kept on going. I ran clear to the ocean. And when I got there, I figured since I'd gone this far, might as well turn around, just keep on going. When I got to another ocean, I figured since I'd gone this far, I might as well just turn back, keep right on going. When I got tired, I slept. When I got hungry, I ate. When I had to go, you know, I went.
0: And so you just ran.
1: Yeah.
2: But what a great clip to think about our run with the Lord. You know, at some point, doesn't it seem like we just want to lace them up, rise up off that porch, and just run? Just run. We run, I think, because there's something that compels us to run, to move in a new direction, it's something that pulls us from the the darkness of the corners of our hearts and minds and, and begins to move us. Isn't it curious as you heard that scripture this morning that we come back to this first morning, this first Easter morning, we find that at least in John's telling this is the athletic resurrection. Everybody's on the move. Everyone is running and there's a pace to this scene and it's Pretty quick. We have these three key people, each close to Jesus in a a very unique way. Each of them, upon seeing or upon hearing that the tomb is now empty, unbelievably, miraculously empty, they just run. They shift their gait into a a higher gear, and their their lives begin to, to take on a new direction and pace, and they just run. Everything changed with the dawn of that first resurrection morning. I think we have a lot to be thankful for with those first Christians, those first people that came to that tomb. Everything was at stake for them on that resurrection day. The Apostle Paul would say a few years later, About the news of that morning, he would say, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Everything was at stake for them. The resurrection, someone said, is the most critical pivot point in human history. How can we ever go on in the same way if death is no longer death? If indeed death has lost its sting and death is not the victory we always thought it was, it's no wonder they just ran. They ran toward the possibility of it all. Don't you like about everything about Easter? Doesn't it just sort of strike you as a a great day? The flowers, the flowered cross, the children. I mean it's it's bright sometimes. <laughs> it's a day for hope to win out. Uh, Easter's a day when a boy has got his new duds on and he gives you a glimpse of the man that he's going to one day be. Easter is the trumpeting beauty of the lilies. It's Announcement of a new start—it's secretly eating the head off your chocolate bunny before breakfast, and when your mom finds out, she isn't even upset. She might even say something like, "Sorry, it's not solid. (laughs) It's just hollow." Today is about trying out your big shower voice, right? Reaching for an Alleluia, seeing if you can make it without having to get that quick breath right in the middle. Go ahead and try it. right. See, if you can out-sing that guy behind you. It was probably like in the high school glee choir or something. Yeah. Anyway, Easter is this day. It's a day we think about um, later, perhaps, in the summer. Easter is a backyard Easter egg hunt. So then in August, while pulling weeds, you discover that... Plastic egg that's hiding in that shrub, and you shake it, and there's something in there. (laughs) And looking around, make sure nobody's looking. You crack it open, jelly beans, and you pop them in. Still good, (laughs) seasoned. (laughs) It's a possibility, the possibility of it all. You know, it's even the news reporter I saw the other day on the banks of the Seine with a chart and broken Notre Dame Cathedral in the backdrop. She said, this couldn't have happened at a worse time, the beginning of Easter week. But we know what happens at the end of Holy Week. Jesus is risen. And this great cathedral will also rise from the ashes. Everybody wants to get in on Easter. Everybody believes that there's a possibility that it could happen. And so Easter just runs on ahead of us and and beckons us to run on with it and after it. Philip Brooks, who um, is an old hymn writer, "O Little Town of Bethlehem, he wrote that one. He said these words about Easter. The great Easter truth is not that we are to live newly after death, but that we are to be new here and now by the power of the resurrection. Here and now. I hope so. I hope this resurrection day has caught you with your running shoes on. I don't see many up here, but I hope you're ready to do some running. Running free in the the joy of our risen Lord. Like Mary Magdalene, an oft-misaligned woman, named for the, the town that she came from around the Sea of Galilee, Magdala a town with a less than positive reputation. Uh, and Maybe that's where Mary picked up her kind of poor image in the view of the, the public eye. But we should probably be a little careful because the gospel writers have nothing but good things to say about Mary Magdalene. Um, she's often seen with other women who were close to Jesus. Uh, she was at the cross. Most likely, she was one who helped prepare his body for burial. Um, All the other gospels uh, say she's accompanied by others on that Easter morning when she comes to the tomb. But in John's account, she's alone. So we should probably feel that sorrow, that emptiness that she experienced, that sense of grief at the loss of her Lord, her friend. It was dark. John wants us to know more than anything else that it was dark. If you read John's Gospel, he loves to play with the light and the dark. It's in John's Gospel where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he comes to overcome the darkness. And so three times we we learned here in the opening of chapter 20 that it was early. It was the first day of the week, and it was still dark. Still dark. Paul had fallen on the people. And so she comes in the dark, John wants us to understand, in the quiet, deep demise of the shadow of the cross. Someone said of, of Mary in John's gospel that the church was down to one person on this morning. She's it. She's the only one that was there. Gone are those crowds of a few days before, you know, shouting their hosannas all gone. Gone are the, the crowds of Galilee who would follow him from hillside to hillside, listening to him teach and saying, isn't this amazing? Who is this that speaks like this? All gone. Gone are his closest friends, his followers who had left everything to be with him, saying they would never deny him. They're gone. It's just Mary there. She would be the first the first believer of a whole new era, a new day dawning. It was the first day of the, the risen Lord's reign, and it was just her there. Every, I, I guess I like to think of that as, a reen- we do a reenactment every Sunday of Mary's trip to the empty tomb. Every Sunday is something about Mary's hope and her expectation of possibility do you carry that with you as you come into this place, into your place of worship? Jesus is alive. Just as we heard in the steps from our preacher this morning, <laughs> Jesus is alive. That's hope. That's hope. Thank goodness Mary came, the only one, and she just runs when she discovers the possibility she runs to Peter. She runs to John, who doesn't like to use his own name in his own gospel. He always calls himself the one whom Jesus loved. Pretty good title to give yourself, right? <laughs> Wouldn't be bad, right there on your name tag. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he called himself. Now, yeah, I don't want to squeeze too much out of this uh, whole, whole episode here, but I don't think it's a stretch to say that that the resurrection is to be a shared experience. Mary immediately goes to find Peter and John. It could almost be said that hope in Christ is is not true hope until it is shared hope. Your hope, seeing Christ in each of you, the hope of glory informs, it, it lifts my own sense of hope. She runs through these dark streets of Jerusalem on that first new morning to declare this mystery, this hope, this possibility. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we, she uses the word we there, it's like, oh, maybe somebody else was with her. We don't know. We don't know where they have put him. The other gospels say she was with a group of women, including Jesus' mother, Mary, which is something, I think, given the understanding of women in those days, that they would be the ones who first were there and first go and share it. You're not going to like this, (laughs) but our old friend John Calvin, 500 years ago, theologian, father of Presbyterianism and all that stuff, he's usually fairly on point theologically. But now he seems a little, well, sexist. (laughs) In his questioning Mary Magdalene's Role as being the first witness at the empty tomb. Here's what Calvin said all those years ago. He said, "Since the resurrection of Christ is the chief article of our faith," and I didn't. I'm not going to put it up there because I don't want you to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Since the resurrection, resurrection of Christ is the chief article of our faith, it's surprising that John, Calvin says, does not produce more important witnesses. I know, right? <laughs> How's he get away with that? <laughs> For he starts with a woman, but, and here he quotes 1 Corinthians, but in this way the saying is fulfilled that God chooses what is weak in the world and foolish and contemptible, that he may confound the wisdom, power, and glory of the flesh. Wow. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Not a good look by, you know, the Reformation period. <laughs> Hadn't figured that out yet. But not in John. In John's gospel, it's Mary that's there, alone, in the dark, on the cusp of a brand new day. It should give some information to us in our own walk, whoever we are, whatever our background, wherever we've come from, however we feel. And God God draws us to that empty tomb. He can use us and send us forward from there. And so she just runs to get Peter, to get John. And it's well known, as we said in the ancient world, that a, a woman's testimony was not highly regarded or even accepted. It's well known that she needs witnesses, credible witnesses. <laughs> At least two were required in controversial cases. And so she goes. She gets Peter and John and with a heavy heart, she runs, ran in the hope that it might be just as Jesus said, that on the third day, he would rise again. And I wonder as she ran, was she just thinking, maybe, could it be a possibility? And we read of their response to the announcement. It said, Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. <laughs> Competitive, right? <laughs> wow. Everyone's running on that first Easter morning, running on empty, running with empty hearts, all that had taken part place on that Passover weekend. The loss of their Lord. They were wandering, their lives dismantled in denial and in grief and loss. Running running towards this news that Mary had brought. And everything moved, it changed. It, resurrection is this reversal. Death becomes life, and it creates all sorts of other reversals in our lives. We begin to see hope and change. Disciples had, had run from the crucifixion in great fear, fearing for their lives, but on this day they, they run towards the dawn, toward the possibility that the news might mean that everything Jesus had said is true. So they reversed course and just ran. I went for a run once, (laughs) some years ago, with the Navy SEALs. I remember thinking that at the time, this would be a good way for a chaplain to spend some time with these highly trained warriors. I'd been assigned to their SEAL team and had heard about the the Friday run. It was to be an easy day as far as their PT goes. A short run, no swim. All right, I thought, we'll see what these guys have. Yeah. Navy SEALs, we'll see if they can hang with the chaps. <laughs> <laughs> so the XO, he, he made a few remarks as we huddled early that morning. Made sure they all knew that I was going to be out there with them. I thought i caught a few Snickers. <laughs> they were all kind of stripping off their T-shirts and seeing what kind of shape they were all in. I considered doing the same, but then thought it best just to go ahead and leave my shirt on. <laughs> no sense embarrassing them, <laughs> you know. They got, their egos are you know, pretty high. If someone gave instructions for the run, they said it was going to be a, an out-and-back run. And he was right, because they ran out, and all I saw were their backs. (laughs) That's my big line for the day. (laughs) One uh, one seal, he he hung back with me for a few miles. At this point, though, I I noticed he he was starting to pull away with about every step, and I could tell he was feeling guilty. Finally, he kind of turns back to me over his shoulder and says, you all right, chaps? It's like, I'm doing the best I can. I said, oh, yeah, 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 fine, Navy day, go ahead, go on ahead, (laughs) and he ran off. We went about six miles that morning, and I was dead last, and I mean dead. (laughs) They all waited at the finish area for me to come in, and they welcomed me with sort of the sympathetic cheer, like, oh, good job, (laughs) where you been? (laughs) Kind of like John with Peter. Later, I, I told my teenage son, then-teenage son, about my dead last finish. And he says something like, well, it's probably a good thing the chaplain didn't outrun the SEALs, national security and all. (laughs) I said, yeah, that's my plan. (laughs) What I've discovered, though, is that Navy SEALs, they don't run like other Navy units. (laughs) They run as if they have someplace to be. And it strikes me that this is how it was. That first Easter morning. That empty tomb, it would mean so much if it meant that Jesus conquered death. If that life gate had been opened by what he did there, it would confirm everything. Could it be? And so they just ran. John gives us this play-by-play of how he outraced Peter. Both running, he says. Other disciple outran Peter. Now, is that necessary, all that kind of bragging? (laughs) What's going on with that? Rubbing it in, he was there waiting at the tomb when Peter finally arrives. He didn't go in. Finally, Peter comes, he says, finally. Comes in like some regular Joe trying to run with the seals. And so John says that, P- of, of Peter, he says that he was behind him, you know, again and again and again. What, one ancient commentator said the reason that Peter was so far behind was that he was married. <laughs> yeah, I wish I'd used that with the seals. <laughs> I don't really know about that, but I do wonder if John was making a point here about being the first disciple to respond in this new resurrected age. Something had to do with with John's uh, getting his gospel admitted into the canon of Scripture toward the end of the first century, you know, with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that John was saying, you know, I was there first. I was the first disciple of Easter, of the resurrected age. I was the first one. Surely my gospel should be in there. The point is, however, that they just ran. They ran to see if it was all true. James Thurber, he once said that all humans should try to learn before they die what they are running from and what they are running to and why they are running. So it seems with Peter and John that Peter finally arrives and he goes straight, we read him, he straight to the tomb. There's a curiosity, a, a soulful inquiry there. He saw those folded grave clothes, evidence against a stolen body, either by the guards or even by disciples, as it's been claimed by some, why would they unwrap the body and steal it? Wouldn't they just take the whole thing? So Peter is taking it all in when John comes inside the tomb, and we read that he sees and believes. What they see changes everything. It's evidence that calls for a verdict. And immediately they know that this is not simply a continuation of, of what they had experienced before, that Jesus was now in a a different element, a different light for them. This would be different, that God is alive and present in a new way. It was all starting to dawn on them, that God, God had done something for them and for us. They had no part in bringing the resurrection about, but it was God's taking control, beginning a new era, whether they were ready for him or not. The resurrection turns the table. Someone has said that with Easter, we begin to see a dividing point between the people who want God to give them something and the people who find what God wants to give them. Eugene Peterson says that while there's nothing wrong with wanting something from God or doing something for God, there comes a point when we realize that God is for us, loose and alive in our lives and in our world, And he is the one we must simply believe and worship and adore. Easter, the resurrection, is a tipping point, he says, from being occupied with ourselves to paying attention to the God who is occupied with us, with you and me. So Mary, she comes back to the tomb with Peter and John and goes in this angelic presence, And she hears his words, don't cling to me, the risen Lord speaks to her. Don't hold on to me. This is different. This is going to be all new. He says, go and tell. Go and share. Be alive in a whole new way with me, he seems to say. Do not cling to me. Go and live your life in a resurrected age. We take Easter as the, the new starting point, don't we? this pivot point, this fulcrum of all of history. And in those first running believers, it was beginning to dawn on them that God is alive and loose in the world. I love Wendell Berry's poem about all this. Some of you have heard this before. He says, so friends, every day do something that won't compute Love the Lord. Love the world. Work for nothing. Love someone who does not deserve it. Ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Laugh. Laughter is immeasurable. Be joyful though you have consulted all the facts. Practice resurrection. Easter. Gives us this once a year opportunity to remember that we are practicing resurrection, people. That we live in a different world now. We just run. We run towards a, a, a new, brand new truth and age that Jesus, through that empty tomb, inaugurated. We run not so much in pursuit of God, but because God has set us free. I love Henry Nowen says, if you are risen with Christ, then for the love of Christ, live a risen life. (laughs) Think big and love lots. Against all odds, you will feel better. Isn't that great? Run. Lace up your shoes. Rise up off that porch. Put your hat on. Run all the way across Greenbow County. (laughs) Lace them up. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Against all odds, you will feel better, for God is loose. God is alive. Practice resurrection. Let's pray. Our God, we give thanks once again for this news today, this reminder in the midst of our very worldly worlds that we live in, where everything seems so immediate, so needed, so necessary right now, and our lives are full, and it seems like this is all there is. May we find ways this week to practice resurrection, to look for where and how the risen life is taking hold of us, grateful we are that you have given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.